Amen. You may be seated. So some of you know, this week, a few of us went on a camping trip out to Delaplaine, Virginia. And uh, we went to the Piedmont Valley, I think it's called. Uh, we had a wonderful time there. The weather, you know, it, the rain came through and, uh, and then it just got windy and kind of chilly. And as we were, we had to hike about a mile into our campground, right? And so, you know, it's dark. We got all our stuff on us. Uh, so we're hiking there. And as we approached our little campsite, this man came down with, with a flashlight and said, Hey, I've lost my dog. Uh, I don't know where my dog is. Uh, if you see a white dog, about 80 pounds, pretty good sized dog. It's my dog. Um, and I was like, does he bite? You know, cause I, you know. <laughs> He said, no, he's very friendly, he doesn't bite, okay? So we had a great time. We cooked hot dogs, open flame, s'mores. You know, about midnight, we, we go to bed. And uh, Joey was in a separate, Joey Barnett was in a separate uh, sleeping bag. Uh, Aaron was on one of those hammock things. And me and, me and Josh Lewis were in a two-man tent, okay? And uh, apparently Joey started hearing noises, he was right under where the bear bag thing was. We had like a stand and we put the food up, you know, about six feet. And his tent just happened to be like right there. So he's thinking there's a bear outside. Like there's definitely an animal and it's a big animal. I think it brushed up against the tent. So he finally gets the nerve to look outside. And sure enough, it is the white dog uh, that has come to our camp. So he, he gets out, he grabs the dog, doesn't have a collar or a leash or anything. Gets Aaron up. Aaron, they both like grab the dog. So now by this time I'm hearing commotion. The girls didn't hear anything, right? You guys are safe. A little bit. Okay. So anyway, the, the girls are safe. They're all safe. Everybody's safe. There's four of them in a two man tent. Uh, no. But, uh, so anyway, so I open up my thing and here they are. And here's the dog. And the dog immediately comes into my tent, lays on the sleeping bag and my mat and just laid there. <laughs> Didn't say anything, didn't bark. It's just like, I'm home, I'm home, there's people that are here. And uh, and so we were like, what are we going to do? Like, this dog is not going anywhere. It, it was like psychologically distressed. It had been like four hours, I guess, just running around in unfamiliar territory. It had, uh, you know, burrs and, you know, things on it. Not Not too many. But you know what? When he was in the tent, he was just like a calm child. Like just, he just wanted to be with us, and so Joey and Aaron. Now it's like 12:30. They literally they went around campsites. There was some people still up, and that happened to be the guy, and he came down and got the dog. Um, I tell you that story. Uh, dog illustrations, um, because we're talking about union with Christ tonight in John 15, and. Uh, it's hard. The metaphor is not going to totally hold up here. Okay. But the idea that this dog wanted to be with people was very clear. He wanted to be in that relationship where he knew he was safe and he was with other people. And he was just calm as a little puppy dog. And he was a big dog, about 80 pounds. If you don't think this is true, just come to my house. You'll still see white hair everywhere. Uh, my jacket and everything. So, but tonight we're talking about union with Christ. Last week we looked at um, Peter's confession uh, in Mark chapter 8 of, of Christ as Lord and, and how that was a decision, a defining moment where he was like 
claiming and saying, this is who you are, God, and I am committed to you. I'm with you. Um, And so tonight we're going to look at kind of this other aspect of what does it mean? What does it look like to be a Christian? What is this relationship that you actually have with Jesus? And so if you have your Bibles or you can look up here, I'm going to read John 15, um, 1 to, I think it's 17. So hear God's Word tonight. Let me pray real quick. Uh, how are we doing time? How are we doing? Okay. Uh, let me pray. Lord, thank You for tonight. Thank You for worship. Thank You for the worship team um, and and just being able to come into Your presence that way. Lord, now would You use Your Word and Your Spirit to uh, give us hope, um, to calm us, uh, Lord, to show us uh, Your wonders, to show us Jesus, and we pray that in Christ's name. Amen. So just context, this is the night before Jesus goes to the cross. So this is a very significant conversation uh, that Jesus is having with His disciples. He's explaining kind of what it means to know God and to know uh, the Father. And here's what Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. And the branch, and as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So, this is the big metaphor of union with Christ. There are several metaphors that the Lord uses throughout the Scriptures about this living connection that we have with Jesus. Okay, In the Old Testament, um, there's this idea of the vineyard and God is the, uh, the, Israel is God's vineyard uh, that's been planted and they're connected with God. Uh, there's the metaphor of the bride and the groom that we have in the New Testament. Paul spells that out. Like the church is is uh, the bride and Christ is the bridegroom. There's another metaphor in the New Testament with building stones and Christ being the cornerstone. So we're connected as these living stones and we're unified and we're connected with Him. 
And so this is, you know, Jesus is talking about this vital relationship we have connected with Him. If we're not connected with Him, we don't have life. Just like a a branch on a tree, when it dies, no sap goes there. And so um, this is an important thing. And, you know, it's important because your faith in Christ is not just some insurance policy for the future. You know, a lot of people think, oh, I'm afraid of hell, which you should be. I'm afraid of God's wrath, and so I'm just going to like pray this prayer, accept Jesus into my life, and then I won't have to like worry about that thing down the road. Okay? But that's not what the Christian life is all about. When Jesus came to give eternal life, He gave us life in Him, abundant life right now, not in the future. Ultimately, we'll have this future life in fullness with Jesus in the new heavens and new earth. But the Christian is supposed to be in this ongoing vital relationship now. Okay, so Christianity is not just an insurance policy to get out of hell. Okay, and a lot of people look at it that way. I, I was a youth minister in Oklahoma, and you know everybody goes to church. Not everybody, but a lot of ki- a lot of people go to church uh, in in the South. Okay, but and, and sometimes it's just I feel like. They, they miss this idea of, of a relationship with Christ is supposed to be this living, organic thing all the time. Not just back there. And so, we're going to kind of look at that in here. So, uh, um, I want to I break it down like this. Union with Christ brings cleansing, access, and joy. Cleansing, access, and joy. Okay? So, when I say union with Christ, I'm talking about the metaphor of abiding in Him and being connected with Jesus, our source. So, in verse 3, this is cleansing. Union with Christ brings cleansing and freedom. Jesus says, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Already you are clean. So, Jesus is telling His disciples, you guys... Because you're connected with me by faith, because you've come to know who I am and you've believed in me, you've been justified. Your sins have been forgiven. Okay? You've been set free from them and you've now received all the righteousness of Jesus onto your account. That you've been cleansed. That you have a new standing uh, with God. And He's telling them, you're already clean because of that Word. This is justification. You're declared righteous. You're clean before God. You're set free. Okay? All guilt and shame is removed. You know, to some extent, you are like, you're like a kid in a candy store. Like, you are God's child. You are His beloved. He loves you and He rejoices over you. And you should not have a sense of like, I don't know if I'm in or not. He's telling them you're already clean because of the Word. You're in. A lot of Christians don't recognize like their justification. They run around like they still have to like earn it to be in. They get this idea of justification and sanctification mixed up. Justification is once and for all. Once you believe in Jesus and you repent of your sins and you ask Christ to be your Lord, justification is forever. Okay? You are set free. You're declared righteous. You are clean. Now, why is this important? Um, it's important because you have this new identity, but it's especially important as you think about your past. 
and, and, and you're present. What do I mean? Shame. Things like shame. Things that like things that you don't want anybody in this room to know about. Secret sins. Okay, things you you did in the past. Maybe things that you're presently struggling with. Okay? Dark things. Things like addictions, pornography, okay? Sexual stuff, maybe just addi- just things in your life that you're ashamed that you wouldn't want anybody to know about it. The gospel is declaring to you by faith that you're set free from that. That God loves you. He rejoices over you because of Jesus. Not because you were perfect, but because by faith you're trusting in Him. You're forgiven and set free. And you're given all of God's cleanliness. You've taken a bath, so to speak, and you are clean. Now, you're going to forget that. I'm going to forget that as soon as I say it. But the gospel is you go back to that and you remember, no, this is who I am. By faith, I am free. I'm justified. I'm loved. Okay? It's important to do that. Man, it's important to do that. That's the freedom of the gospel. You know, and so it's like a friend of mine, he talked about like, you know, the gospel's like being able to just come into the house, go to the, you know, go to the refrigerator door, rip it open, and like you're, you know, kick your shoes off, like put your feet on the couch. You're set free. You're in God's family. He loves you. Like that's how it should feel. It should feel like I am totally secure because of, not because of me, not because I was perfect, but because Jesus was perfect and his death was perfect for me. And that's what makes us our standing good. That's what makes our standing beautiful. Okay, so that's what, that's the initial union with Christ, right? And that's why we're clean. We're clean in Jesus, right? The second thing is this. New access. And there's a couple things here. One is prayer. It talks a lot about asking in this passage. Um, so since you're united with Christ now and you're in this living relationship, you can pray freely to God as your Father. And Jesus is your elder brother. And the Holy Spirit is in you. Okay? And so, uh, He says here in verse 7, If you abide in Me, My word, uh, words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And then later on, at the end, He says, So, whatever you ask the Father in My name, uh, He may give it to you. And so, this is amazing. The same communication that Jesus had with the Father you and I now have with the Father because of Jesus. So union with Christ means new access. It means we can go before God at any time. It means we we can boldly pray to Him in our struggles, in our weakness. In Romans eight, it talks about this idea that we can call God Abba Father, our dad you know, basically our daddy, this intimate relationship that you now have because of Jesus. You can call him Abba, Father. This was like scandalous to the Pharisees. But that's the new relationship, the new access that we have. In Romans 8, he says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, to whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. There's like these old pictures of um, JFK, Black and whites in the in the Oval Office. I don't know if you've ever seen them. And he'll be having like this meeting, but then like one of his kids is like under the table, you know. And I love that because I feel like that's the kind of access we have to the King of the Universe. Like He is our Father, but because of Christ, we have this new 
ability to relate to him and pray to him. And it doesn't, like, we can go right into the, to the throne room and pray. And we can interrupt. Because he loves us and we are his children. We're sons and daughters of him. So, one question is, um, union with Christ. Are you, are you living in that? You know, the big, the big, uh, issue here is we forget about this union with Christ. And we live kind of independent rogue lifestyles. Or some people call it practical atheism. And I'm, I confess, I'm one of these rogue independents. Okay? Not politically. But, maybe, maybe this year. Uh, but the point being is, is that we have access and we forget about that, but prayer is like the thermometer for us, whether or not we are really abiding and recognizing the union with Christ that we have. A good thermometer for your spiritual life is, do you pray? Or do you just go about life? Oh, I'm busy. Here's my to-do list. Here's all the classes. Here's my assignments, my papers, whatever. And then prayer comes at like the foxhole 11th hour when you have the exam, you know? And that's okay. Foxhole prayers are good. Please pray them. But that's an indication of what we should be doing all the time. Like, Jesus, help me. I don't know how to talk to this person. Help me with my roommates. You know, help me with my future. Help me in this relationship. Jesus, I am weak. And what, what Jesus is saying, we have access because we're connected to the vine. We've got the power uh, of the Lord to do amazing things. That's why He keeps saying, like, ask me whatever and it will be done for you according to my will. Not like, give me that Lamborghini, but like according to the will of Jesus. Okay? And that's big things. That's kingdom things. That's like, help me to talk to my roommate. Help me to love my roommate when they're bothering me like crazy and annoying. You know, help me to love my parents. You know, help me to love my siblings. Help me in these issues. Um, That's why we're doing the prayer circles, by the way. Shameless plug. Tuesdays, we're trying to make these little prayer circles around campus for just like 10 or 12 minutes. We read a psalm, get with four or five people and you pray. Pray for one another, pray for the kingdom. Um, I'm reading this book called Alone Together. And it's by this woman. She's an MIT professor and she analyzes social media and its effect on the brain. And its effect on social ideas and our identities. Her name is Sherry Turkle and it's called Alone Together. But her big thesis is basically... She's saying that like computers, social media, smartphones are changing us. One thing is we're, we can't be alone. Like we can't be okay just to be alone with ourselves. We always have to be online. But also too, when we're online, we're not really like face to face, like relating. And I want to turn that around. Like to some extent, that's that's also, you know, thinking about that metaphor spiritually, that's kind of what we do with God. We're, we're so wrapped up in social media or Facebook or whatever that we forget that we can just be alone in union with Christ and be okay. We can be, we can just like, we don't have to have our phone. If you didn't have your phone for a day, if you lost your phone right now, who's worried? Everybody, right? We're all worried because we're all so tied to this. That's like our life, you know? And Jesus is trying to say to the disciples, this is before cell phones, believe it or not, that you can abide in me and have life and have abundance, okay? Um, the second part of this is union with Christ means uh, growth by pruning. 
Growth by pruning. What are are we talking about? Well, in this new relationship with God, you're no longer under wrath. You're no longer under His wrath. You're under His love. And He lovingly disciplines you to make you more like Jesus. To make you bear fruit. I have these azalea plants in my house, you know. And uh, one of the cool things is, like, I try to prune them after they blossom in the spring. I, like, prune them. They'll have, like, all these straggly things. And I'll prune them in, like, June, right? And I'm telling you, like, in two two weeks, they have already sprouted all these new green leaves and everything. And they're and next year, man, they're going to be amazing. They're, like, they're going to be fuller, more blossoms, more beauty. And that's, and that's the illustration that's going on here. The Lord, the Father, is pruning us in order to make us more like Jesus and to be more fruitful. It's not a discipline out of His wrath. It's a discipline as loving Father out of His love. Um, and so, why is this important? Because this should make you think, okay, when you're going through trials, when you're going through suffering, when you're going through hard issues, when you are banging your head against the wall because you can't figure out a calculus prod- problem or whatever it is, you know, or you're, in, you're just in a tough space relationally, God is at work in that. There's purpose in that. There's meaning. God is doing something. It's not just like, God, get me out of this like as soon as I can. You should say, Jesus, what are you trying to teach me right here? What are you trying to teach me? Help me. Uh, union with Christ means He's there in the middle of it and He's using those difficult things on purpose to help you. He, he's doing something. We can't always understand exactly what that pain is or why but he's doing something and pain is not um, just random and meaningless um, so with this new relationship is prayer and it's it's pruning uh, of God um, the last thing is this union means fullness and joy union means fullness and joy um, we're getting ready to celebrate Martin Luther's uh, 95 thesis on the wall, uh, the, Re- the Reformation. And one of the first things he said was basically all of uh, the entire Christian life is one of repentance. That's not exactly how he said it. But basically what he was saying is, is that the Christian is one who, who repents in the beginning when he, he discovers he's a sinner and he, he needs to believe in Christ. But the entire Christian life is one of like seeing, oh, I'm still a sinner, I'm still struggling with this, and I'm running back to Jesus and I'm repenting. And Jesus uses this word abide like ten times in this. Uh, and why is He doing that? Well, He's calling us to abide. And that is another... I, it's kind of a... Hey, how you doing? Um, it's basically another phrase to say, place your faith. Continue to live out your faith in Christ. It's not just like, oh, I became a Christian back there, and now I'm just going to go it alone as a lone ranger and just try to struggle through and obey God. It's belief. It's saying, I need to abide. I need to run back to Christ. And because He wants to give us... Union with Christ is all about Joy uh, and faith. He says, as the Father has loved me, in verse 10, <clears throat> so have I loved you. 
Abide in my love. Abide in my love. Reflect on my love. Think about my love for you. Think about, even in your worst moments, I love you and I died for you and I am with you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things have I spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Joy. The goal here is joy. We would have the joy of Jesus and that would change everything about us. We would have this fullness of life because we're connected to Jesus by faith. Okay? It's, it's, it's like a thirsty man who like finally finds that desert stream and he just buries his face in it after you know three days' journey. And he's just drinking in the life of God by faith in Christ. Union with Christ, and so your your our Christian lives aren't just supposed to be like some spastic like happy joy. It can be that sometimes, but it's supposed to be this solid like joy. Like I know Christ, and like my life is different. I like I know Jesus has me. I know everything's going to be ultimately be okay. I have a peace about me because of Jesus. You know, I can go through this trial. I can take risks. Because I'm abiding and He's given me fullness of joy. And part of what He keeps talking about is the fullness of joy is loving other people and seeing other people come into that fullness of joy too. He keeps talking about a friend lays down his life. You know, I've laid down my life for you. And that's the real power for this whole thing. Abiding in Christ goes back to the love of God and the fact that Jesus, the Son of Man, died for us and laid down His life for us. So when you're when you don't know if you're in or not, you got to go back to the cross and remember. No, I'm in because Jesus went to the cross for me. The one little thing before we we close, you know, there's this idea of the dead branches. Does that mean like people once believed and then somehow they died on the vine? No. Jesus is you know this metaphor is saying those people were never in. Those people never believed. If you believed in Christ, you are in there. And Jesus is going to prune you. The Father is going to prune you. He's going to make you everything you should be uh, for His glory. Let me close. We're going to sing one song. And then you guys can take food with you. Jesus, thank You for uh, thinking about union with Christ, Lord, in, in John 15. Father, we often don't dwell on that, meditate on that. But You are here. You're with us. And we pray that we would... Um, just day by day, moment by moment, recognize that we are connected with You, that we would abide in You by faith. Lord, that You would give, give us fullness of joy. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So let's stand as we close and sing. I'm actually going to help sing this song because Rachel had to go. But we're doing Let Us Love and Sing and Wonder. I think it's a bad chord because it's not